You're listening to Cosmic Tonic. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, let me say that again. <clears throat> Cosmic Tonic. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Cosmic Tonic podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. In this episode, we speak with astrologer Thea Anderson about the lunar mansions. This is episode one in a two-part series about the mansions with Thea, so stay tuned for the second episode. If you like what we do, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, or share the podcast with your friends. We appreciate it. And there's a couple different ways you can listen to us. One way is on your favorite podcast app or by subscribing to us on YouTube. As you know, we are committed to bringing you the best content related to astrology and the occult. We are fully funded by viewer support, so please donate to our podcast by visiting the link at the bottom of our homepage at CosmicTonic.com. For those of you who've donated, thank you so much. It really helps us keep this podcast going. Thanks again for being here, and cheers to 2022. Okay, so um, today we're here with Thea Anderson, and we are going to talk about the lunar mansions, as well as perhaps other forms of astro magic as well. So Thea is my colleague at the Chani app. Thea is the director of production, and she's also an amazing astrologer and astro researcher. I feel like you're always coming up with the like really brilliant theories and then like producing the, like the work behind it. Like you're really um, doing a lot of your own independent exploration into into astrology and into um, all that it touches and, and astrology as a lens through which you can view history in these ways that I mm-hmm. find personally really fascinating. Uh, you're a writer, Thea, and you're a parent, um, and I'm sure many other things besides. So why don't you um, fill in your bio from what I've missed <laughs> and tell us a bit about yourself and maybe also like your approach to astrology and your approach to astro magic. Sure. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank y'all for having me. Um, so where do I begin? So, okay. I really um, formally began the studying astrology in like 2018, which, um, and that's because I already, I had always been sort of self-studied. Like I had always kind of just tried to teach myself and learn and, and do all that. But I really, um, once I left my corporate job in 2017, that was sort of the beginning of this like radical shift. I think that the eclipses were like in Leo and Aquarius in my life are there. So it was just like, okay, girl, you got to move. Like all these skills that you're, that you're doing here in this sort of like legal corporate tech world, they're great. But like, it just really felt like I needed to kind of circle back to like me as a little girl, like amazed with the stars. And I actually didn't even know what I was going to do. So I was supposed to start like my own business, which I did. (laughs) But the things that I kept doing every day, like I didn't even want to tell anybody. I was just like pulling cards in my office, like reading everything that I could, that was interesting me about astrology, reading all the posts. And my husband would be like, when are you going to (laughs) start like with this like business you're starting? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that. But so (laughs) I ended up sort of 
um, just really committing myself to, to studying because it just felt like the anchor in a, in a time of uncertainty. Um, during that time, I like also um, had a second child. <laughs> I wrote a novel, like my first draft. I was like busy in my little cave. Um, you know, I have a 12 house son, so a lot gets to happen in the cave part of my life. Um, and it just really sort of took off from there, like as far as working with astrology, but there's always been a, like I'd say a magical part to it, like a divinatory part, even just from always working with the sense that, you know, this sort of practice, the daily practice and sort of giving like from a theurgical point of view, like, understanding that these energies are not just like bodies moving through the sky that they're like they're like here they're like in us like we're like human talismans and I really I think in that time was like speaking to I had a candle that was for my like guardian angel and I think I was like sort of communing with that higher consciousness that daimonic force of like you know, nobody understood why I left. Nobody understood what I was doing. I barely did, but I also felt very held. And that was really important and so much upheaval and change. And so cut to now, <laughs> I've done a lot of studying and a lot of nerding out on my own time. Um, and I think where I'm at like today is that I'm really interested. I, I like to, I do like to go back to the past. I like to look at like what was happening historically, you know, where I'm from. I'm also like a Houston girl. So I'm like always really interested in like what's happening or what happened, what happened where I grew up. And that sort of helps me to link a lot of the projects that I was working and writing on that I had sort of kept separate from astrology, but also kind of feeling like that they're not separate because the world is not separate from astrology <laughs> and that the history, it helps me to sort of make connective tissue for things that don't make sense. Um, I, I'm very interested in the uncovering a lot of what's been covered up, um, especially where I'm from outside of Houston and Sugarland, And uh, we can get into that later, but that's sort of what my writing project has been centered on and having all these unanswered questions and really feeling like, how can I use astrology or what was happening then to sort of connect the dots. Um, so I'm really thankful that astrology has given me that. And I've never, I could have never predicted that. Well, I just want to say that I'm very impressed that you started studying in, in 2018 and you are where you're at. <laughs> three short years later, or so it hasn't even been three years, has it? Um, so it actually probably started in 2017. 2018 okay. is when I started studying with Sam, I think. Um, it, again, there was like a baby around that time. So it kind of it's blending, but <laughs> it felt like being on a rocket ship, right? It felt like, um, that I had always had this language and this understanding. I mean, even when I was like working in offices, the first thing I would do is check my horoscope, but I wouldn't just check it for me, I'd check it for everyone I know. And then I would like, um, 
check for my rising and check for my sun and compare and figure out like which I liked better. I was, I don't think I was supposed to be doing any of that, but I did it because it helped. It was just like what I looked forward to. So when I first started my formal study, it was just like, oh yeah, I, I, I understand what we're talking about when we talk about Venus. Like I, I know Venus and now I get to like formally meet Venus. I think too, like you said that this was going on while the nodes were in Aquarius and Leo and like what you're describing and you said that those are your lights. So for the audience, like who are familiar with that language, it's where your sun and your moon are respectively. And I do think that when, especially when the North node <laughs> touches a key area like that, like there is it is shocking how much information you can ingest in so short a time or just how much you're hungry for. And then you kind of expand to, (laughs) to absorb it all. A hundred percent. That sort of like, aha, it was really like a light in the cave. Mm. Um, My little office was sort of like a closet. So um, in my house, though, I did have that sense that I was sort of retreating to find the light. And it felt very much um, centered around that. And like, yeah, that hunger, like I Mm -hmm. just could read everything and listen to all the podcasts. And it also coincided with Uranus uh, going into my night. There you go. But I'd always kind of done, it's really funny too, because like even before I had astrology, you know, there's other kind of entryways that you get in first. Sometimes it's like, um, what else did I have? I would, numerology, you know, like there were other entryways. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in learning about people and why they did the things that they did. So like in college, I would do numerology with my roommates and mm-hmm. I don't consider myself well-versed in numerology at all, but I understood that people were acting kind of on how they were made. And it was always really interesting to see the way that that would link up. And then that's also too, when like, you know, like the magical thing would happen. So like in college, I think I got like dumped and I'm signed because it's just like, oh my God, being 20. And um, the first thing I did was make a spell. And like, I knew his like sun sign and it's, I was so distraught and, you know, so dramatic. Um, And I just like, you know, I I knew to draw a circle. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I like drew a circle and just all my energy I poured into this sort of um, sigil, if you will. So like, we'll talk about this too, but how important images are. And so, I put it in the image and they had all these candles and I drew it and I put it away. And what's really funny is that after that happened, that like person did come back to me, um, <laughs> but not in a good way. It was filled with that sort of weird, almost like against their kind of um, their better sense and my better sense. And it felt very much like um, that I had created this magnet And so like also watching that happen and seeing the power that making images has when you, when you've um, focused your intent and who knows what was going on astrologically in that moment, but having all those components, I think for me is that recipe, right? Figuring out when is the best time to do something, bringing your will and intent 
and then producing it in physical form so that it can, you know, catch the the rays, the heavenly rays. Like that's that's what I'm interested. That sort of recipe feels very natural to me. And that's just like one instance of how I did it when I was 20 and I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> what was your intention for the work that you did around the relationship? Did you want him to come back or were you trying yes, to? Yes, I did. Okay. I was heartbroken. I wanted him to come back. And, um, and he did uh, like six months later. Um, so it was close enough that I could, I, I was like, oh, I wonder if I did this. But then when, when it happened, like um, my, my heart wasn't in it. I could tell it was just a weird, it was off. <laughs> so um, I think also, okay, now, now me at 36, like, thank God I've like lived a life. I think that's also where I'm really interested in how the magic that we do really reflects our intent. And sometimes if I feel drained <laughs> or angry or really, really sad, there have been times where I've just left it because I don't think, I don't want to, to bring that intent. Like all of these, you know, the Western magical tradition, the West, <laughs> I put that in air quotes, but this magical tradition, this lineage that I'm pulling from is really, I feel like requires our belief and intent. And I just, I've always kind of known how important that is and um, that the magic that I'm trying to do, I can't even do it if, if I don't know myself. That mm. sounds very hermetic probably because this is. <laughs> well, you're a Virgo rising. You get a pass <laughs> on speaking hermetics. <laughs> Yay. I think, I think you're, what you're saying is so important because it's speaking to how powerful we are without actually even realizing it or like even without these tools I think that we're doing even yeah even as children or as teenagers I think that we're doing magic through the force of our will will or through the force of our obsession like if if you're obsessed with someone that creates its own kind of spell or um, it, it creates this sort of tremor into the universe that then gets returned or <laughs> it it um it's powerful not always in a in a good way but like as a segue into using magic more intentionally and you're you're already talking about the images and how imagery can be a magical tool um why don't we like yeah why don't we explain as best we can what the lunar mansions even are like so, so Thea, <laughs> what are the lunar mansions <laughs> in this tradition, in this tradition of so-called yeah. Western magic? Yeah, which is how I approach it. Um, so the lunar mansions are like the places of the moon, right? It's like where the moon goes to rest. And so how we're all familiar with the 12 signs of the zodiac, and that's based off of the sun's movement. Um, but when we're thinking about the moon, that the moon has like a certain average speed, like 12 degrees something, um, that when you divide 360 degrees that you can come up with these places. Um, and that those, that lunar zodiac um, really creates an opportunity to connect to the, the lunar 
way of being, which is, I find <laughs> really more subtle, but also very powerful. Um, so I think for me, what's interesting is when I was in a moon year in 2019, I guess, that's when I first started noticing and following the moon and getting really into the lunar zodiac. It actually didn't even connect the dots until I had left my moon year by perfection and was like, oh, well, of course. <laughs> I was I was really in tune with the sort of, of course we have like the lunar phases and the lunar, the moon going through the sun zodiac. But if you think about it, what it means to have the, the moon go through the moon's own places, that you get this sort of different understanding. And I've always been really drawn to the way that magically speaking, if we're gonna think about, you know, our, our nearest lamp, our nearest celestial body, and how the moon is really always, you know, drawing down energies from the rest of the planets based on the moon's position and what the moon can see. But that the moon is sort of like our magnet to like draw down and anchor those energies. And then based on how the moon's moving through the lunar mansions, um, like that these different opportunities come up and that the moon will get there every month. Like that's what I love about the lunar mansions is that it's almost like um, magic that's, I don't wanna say like convenient, but there's so many opportunities I find um, and there are opportunities to revisit that mansion, but never in the same way, right? There's always something new going on. And so you can get to learn them in that way. And the moon has this sort of traveling sense to it, right? The moon moves so quickly. And so I always think about like sort of being on this journey with the moon. And if you actually read a lot of the descriptions of the lunar mansions, you definitely get like, okay, like now is a good time to like go sailing by the sea. And like, there's always a sense of journeying. I always think about how important that would have been in ancient times, especially to embark on a journey have it be so uncertain and how important it would have been where the moon was. Yeah. And I think, I think that's so key also with this being a lunar oriented system, just the purely on a level of speed, like you mentioned, purely the fact that the moon moves the fastest in the sky, like the next fast would be probably Mercury, but that's vastly different. And it's interesting, those two, um, what the moon and Mercury share in mm in story and in history and in magic where they they're both associated with divination and maybe we can talk about that a bit later but um and something i was contemplating with the with the moon and with the lunar mansions is the specific relationship to the fixed stars mm-hmm. and i wondered if you if you want to comment on that at all like in terms of how Cause it does seem to me like looking at the boundaries for the lunar mansions, they do seem very pinned to the stars more than say the solar zodiac is, even though we, of course we're moving through the, like we're moving through signs that were at one point inspired from the constellations. It seems much more um, loose in association. Whereas the, the lunar zodiac of the lunar mansions seems much more star bound in a way. 
Yeah. And that's interesting because it almost feels like a sort of skip over that like you can get to really far out by being really close. That almost like distance doesn't matter, but that it's picking on some, some things, those like ancient campfires, those constellations. Um, and I think for me, I, I still haven't figured out how, cause I approached like the fixed star practice, like different from the lunar election. Like, you know, like if I'm focused on a lunar mansion, I'm, I'm focused on that place. Um, and then if I'm doing a fixed star election, it's like, I'm looking for that specific star. So I actually haven't bridged them together in my practice. Um, but I think that it's, I have so many things to say about like the sun, you know, we default to it, right? It's, it's like what we, we rise and set with, and it is so important, but I think that being able to see what you can see when things aren't illuminated and, and that even, you know, like just getting to the fact that all of these mansions have spirits, it's almost like they have these like sort of demigods that you're petitioning in the same way that like a fixed star has a sort of, you know, other gods, other myths, uh, bigger than human <laughs> um, lore, especially. So to me, I still approach it separately, but I'm, I am really interested in the way that it's still sort of moving and fixed to, you know, Aldebaran and even how the name, the way the mansion's named, for instance. So I, th- I think I'm still learning that. But I, I guess that's what I meant. Like, I didn't so much mean bridging your, your like stellar magic practice with the lunar mansions, but it's like somehow the stars are baked into the lunar mansions. It seems in a more intentional or forceful way, mm-hmm. purely in how they're created and how they're named. And, and yeah, it, like the spirits of the angels or the lords so-called that are dwelling within each house, as it were. <laughs> Yeah. But I think also like something I was contemplating. So I was reading yesterday was Monday. So I, was, <laughs> I, I read, um, I'm trying to work more with the moon because mm-hmm. I think my moon and my Venus both needed a bit of remediating. <laughs> and I was reading out loud the Orphic hymn to the moon and I was taken with how many references oh. there were to stars. I know. I've thought about that too, actually, recently. That was so funny. Um, That the moon and the stars are together because when when the sun goes down, that's when they come out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. Like you can't, and I'd have to go back to the Orphic hymn to the sun to see if there are any references to stars, but I don't imagine there is because you don't see the stars when the sun's out. But it's like, it's mentioned four times in, in this translation. It's like, um, torch-bearing maiden of fair stars, surrounded by beautiful stars, marshal of the stars, blessed and gentle lady of the stars. It's not a long hymn and like stars are being constantly invoked. So I do think there is a special relationship between Luna, like between this, between all of our associations with the moon and and yeah, these very distant, I love how you describe them as campfires, like these distant sort of cosmic campfires that are way out there. And um, and yeah, the moon is this way of catching that light or like mm-hmm. this receptacle. Yeah, that, that's what gets us sort of 
way far out, like that brings it back home to us, that there's something that's there to, to translate. Speaking Mm -hmm. of overlaps with Mercury. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I'm really curious if you don't particularly look at the moon when you're doing stellar magic, then what are you looking for in an electional chart? Oh, no, I do. I do look at the moon. Definitely. I always look at the moon for any election. Okay. The the moon is the moon is, you know, the first thing. (laughs) Um, But what I meant is that if I approach it, I'm uh, like, if I sit down and I'm like trying to find a magical election, I first want to decide. And this isn't also like a really intellectual process, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to do like look for a fixed star election Um, and I need to get the moon like on that fixed star Mm -hmm. like that's you know what I mean and I want to and I want the moon to be in a good sign and I want the um I want it to be rising or at the MC so but then if I'm looking for a lunar a lunar mansion election I'm I'm also following the moon but I'm following the moon through her places through the mansions like I have one right here. I'll show you. I do mine on paper. <laughs> this is this one for Azore, the third lunar mansion. Um, and I, I'll like draw it or, you know, do the sigil, do the image. And when this was made, like every, the, the election itself was mm. according to the like rules of electing a lunar mansion talisman. Mm-hmm. So I learned that first, like last year with, uh, Nina Griffin's course on magical elections and constantly refer back to it, but um, really working with. So once I've done the operation at that elected time, right? So I find the time, I'll like determine the window. I'll have all my tools ready the paper, the pen, the colors, the incense. Yeah, being prepared to draw the image is a big one because some of them are kind of like, I might want to more like trace them if it's like I need to draw like a lady holding a candelabra or something. Um, and and so I'll do that all that, that moment and I'll say the words and I'll, I'll invoke the spirit of the mansion or petitions. So I'll speak the words out loud and then I'll say like and do such and such. The third lunar mansion is a great one to start with because you'll see that some of them they'll have like really good things and they'll be like, and then like it'll cause you to be enemies with like who is your best friend or something. You're like, well, I don't want that. So part of getting the election is making sure that the moon is also looking, you know, to a benefic so that it's getting the positive manifestation of that mansion and not something that is going to accidentally backfire or channel more than negative. But I can keep going on talking about in that moment. Well, it brings me to a question that I had about working with the mansions and when the moon is passing through a certain mansion and there's another planet there, how do you take that in consideration for your ritual or your practice? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I can't get the elections until like way far out. <laughs> um right. And like, we do have that issue right now, like with Uranus and Taurus and like, this is always going to be a thing for a little bit, but, um, and the moon is great in Taurus. So <laughs> trying to get it as far away, um, 
I don't for my, if, if a planet is in a sign, it's definitely going to color um, the moon. So it depends on how close it is. It depends on if it's a planet that I want to <laughs> um, draw into the election. Um, but of course, I'm always just trying to always tuck Mars and Saturn away, mm-hmm. unless it's something that I want to use their malefic energies for a constructive purpose. Um, do you consider Uranus a malefic? No, I just consider it's going to do whatever it wants to do. And it, that might not align with my purpose. Mm-hmm. And it, it will definitely be surprising in a left turn. And I think that that as I'm in this sort of experiment, I mean, I have so many talismans that I'll just I'll experiment and see what happens. And I've destroyed ones. If I've done the election. And I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah. I'm, but I'm willing to at this point in my practice, because I'm not prescribing these to clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I have a long way to go to get to that point. And there's a lot of responsibility that I'm not even sure. I'll do them for, you know, my circle of people. But I'll like look back at that election and be like, oh my God, why didn't I see that? Everything else was great, but I've, yeah. So right now I'm just really committed to doing them on paper and noting their impact. Um, Yes, there's been interesting ones that I've done that I also felt, I'll see if while we're talking, I can find the example, but it was really good for like, increase like increasing you know your assets if you need money or whatever but it also like so animosity between husband and wife and you know I am married and so I definitely felt like a strange energy that that was more hostile and it actually took me several months to figure out like what is what is happening um you know my home is like a laboratory (laughs) Yeah, I destroyed that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually told him, uh, I told my husband a couple months later, I was like, I think this is what was happening here. You know, I'm sorry. But anyway, that's gone now. <laughs> Isn't it funny, though, how quick the energy changes when you do destroy the talisman? And I don't know, in my personal experience with that, I have I found that I was holding on to the talisman in a really weird way. Like, I didn't want to destroy it. And then once I did and I let it go, everything shifted. And then I sat there and I wondered, why didn't I just do that five months ago or whatever it was, you know? Uh, so a little I mean, information. You literally blew up your house. Yeah. I, I yeah, that, that, ha- I did a Mars ritual and mm. literally about 36 hours later, a pipe exploded in my ceiling exactly above where I did the ritual. I mean, there was a lot of good things that came from all that happening. I I got my house remodeled, but just the whole experience of what that did and working with Mars energy for me, I, I have Mars and Scorpio. So it's not like I need to do remediation work with Mars. I don't really even need to work with Mars in that context. It's already very powerful in my life. So that was an eye-opening experience for me just from that point of view, but just the whole experience of 
working with Mars energy and how it just rippled through basically a year and a half of my life and having to remodel my house and every experience that I had with contractors, insurance companies, to my HOA, all that was extremely martial. And I ended up benefiting, but it was really stressful and it was really hard and I would not do it over again. (laughs) And it wasn't, it wasn't even my intention. I think that was a huge problem though, is I didn't have a clear intention. I just was doing the ritual. I was just wanting to honor the energy, but I didn't really consider about how that energy aligns with my own personal natal charts. And that I don't need to do that. It's just, it's explosive. And I, I need to do more Venus remediation, that sort of thing. So that's, it's, it's interesting to think about it from that perspective too. So yes. Do you really need to do, uh, or you need, do you really need to work with these specific mansions like you're talking about or these specific planets or are they already active in your life and are you already experiencing them and and they're more higher expression and working with other energies instead. Yes. And I, I love that because it's like, then you also become more aware with like a planetary talisman, for instance, and you're mm-hmm. doing Mars. It's like you become aware of what that planet is like if is if holding a microphone. Yes. Um, and I, I also think for me, I don't think that, a talisman remediates anything. I almost feel like that the talisman applies something extra to whatever your life is. And so if your life already does Mars and Scorpio, then a Mars talisman will just come on and add something extra. Um, It will like, overflow or you know literally <laughs> water water in my house Scorpio too. that's amazing I, I mean come on and I had I, to apologize I, to my family for that one too <laughs> I was real sorry guys I was just trying to have some fun <laughs> didn't work out that way <laughs> yeah I know better I I uh me and Mars we have we have a time so I just try to like you know, my Mars is just like combust and then the 12. So I'm always just like, eh, I'll do a Saturn thing first before I do. Right. Mars. And I think you just have to have those learning experiences to really understand your own personal power and then also be able to direct your practice because everybody's practice is going to be different based on their needs and their personality and their perceptions and all of that. But until you kind of play around and experiment a little bit, hopefully not harming anybody <laughs> in the process, but it, it's very informative to make mistakes. A hundred percent. Are you an, I'm an experimenter too. Like I'll experiment all day on myself just to learn which is for better or worse, but I like to, because for me, like I can understand the material, but I want to see how it manifests in the life. Um, And I get so much from that. So I feel like I'd started out, this is also very Virgo rising, like making this huge spreadsheet and like tracking and like (laughs) trying to see. And now I just keep them in notebooks, but it's, um, that's that to me is the also the benefit of doing it because it's like 
um, okay, so for like with, with the Lunar Mansion Talisman, you know, I almost don't even plan them that far ahead. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I might, I might know far ahead, like, okay, like, that's usually more for like fixed stars, but like for Lunar Mansion, I'll just kind of see like, ah, oh, can I do something now? And, and then I'll, I'll make the talisman and then like, you know, you can charge it every month. Like that's the benefit. That's what I was saying um, with the Lunar Mansion is that those talismans tend to grow over time. I, I feel like it's almost like um, potting a plant mm-hmm. and you can kind of keep watering it. So I really like um, it for that reason as well, that there's sort of this like always coming back to um, and you know, just once you make it at the elected moment that you have an opportunity to revisit it. So it feels like it has sort of a, a long, a long life. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. But I also want to go back to what you were saying before, and this can apply to planetary magic, but I think it especially applies to the lunar mentions where you did that working to increase your assets perhaps. And then there was this like footnote that maybe it could cause tension between, you know, in a couple and like, so I I imagine that we do this in other forms of planetary magic, but when you're working with the lunar mansions, it's really transparent. You're calling spirits to do your bidding. You're calling entities, guides, angels, the Lords of the mansion to do your bidding. And there is that's a presence. And it's not one that we, we can um, command it. And I think this is the sort of magic where you do in some ways, you're kind of higher up in the hierarchy and you can command it on some level. Not, I'm not saying that you do that maliciously or um, disrespectfully, but but at the same time, like we don't really know what these energies are. We don't really know what these spirits are. And I, and that like for me, and I'm curious to hear your experience with this theater, but for me, I have, I'm, I feel a little bit of distrust or a little bit of wariness. And like, I'll tell you a, an example of this. And well, you, you, you know, the story Thea, but <laughs> where like, so my, in some ways, my entry into the Lunar Mansions was like me casually telling Thea as my colleague that, oh, there are, I just learned that there are bed bugs in my building. Um, I'm like feeling very anxious because they weren't in my, they weren't in my space, but they can definitely move through, like under the doors, et cetera. And Thea was like, oh, wait, the, you know, the moon just happens to be in the eighth Lunar Mansion now, which is about like be rid, like getting rid of pests. And it's, the wording is specific to mice, but I think it there are also translations that specify specifically bed bugs. And I know that you've, and you can share the story too. I know that you've done this yourself um, with your own pests, <laughs> but I did. So I, I, it was literally like you told me that morning I had to do it that night. So I ended up getting up at 4 a.m. I did the working, like this is how desperate I was. And in the image, there is this, like, well, the audience can't see this because this isn't going to be on video, but there's this image of an eagle with a man's head. And, and it did feel 
like maybe there's just something about waking up at 4 a.m. and burning frankincense and like chanting where you feel like you are inviting something in. But completely, I had to go on a flight the next day, completely separate from that. I didn't mention anything specific about that working. My friend, Sandra, who is who has been on the podcast before, she had a dream about me having this like huge sort of malefic bird in my apartment. And like, I was really protective of the bird, but the bird was eating everybody that came into the apartment. And I, but I was like weirdly protective of it. And I was like, that's fine. It's fine. But it would eat all of my friends. (laughs) And so it's it's like, yeah, what did I, what did I invite in there? (laughs) Which is still up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's there. Right. And, and every time the moon goes to that mansion, if you were to call and remind it, like you're still here. Um, okay. So how I feel about that, <laughs> this is also where like my Aquarius comes in. I'm like, it's okay. Like, who cares? <laughs> like we're, we're doing something that is, um, effective and that's, that's, what's important. And I think that these spirits, have an interest fundamentally in the affairs and our affairs. And so, you know, I, I don't approach it from a, um, I, that I'm ordering it, you know, I, I do it sort of more, you know, the, the petition sort of mode, like approach, like I'm asking you and I've, I've, I've made this image and I'm talking, so I'm using my voice, right? Because that's what's important is saying it out loud that the magic that of like vocalizing our intent out loud and making the image because you know images work on us in a way that words don't they it it, it removes that sort of need for translation it feels very direct you know it's got the that channeling sort of we can look at something and and feel it and know it rather than think about it, right? And so I'm always really interested in how that the, once we've laid the framework and invited that spirit or that Lord of the mansion in, or even if it's a fixed star, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a little wary with fixed stars. I'll do some that I have a relationship with. I, I have a relationship with Sirius, so I'll do Sirius, but I like, I don't, and I mean like natal relationship, but it's also like, um, Yes, it's it's that idea of let the right ones in <laughs> and that you have invited them in. I mean, but I think I think also too, I'm like, I don't know, my my house always feels alive with a lot of stuff. Um, there's like even just there's, you know, I told you I have the the mice, the mice issue. That's why I, I did it here. Um, so there's there's animals that come in and out, there's animals all around my property where I am. Um it's an almost 200 year old home. The house is alive. There's lots of stuff going on. So I am also, sometimes I'll do sort of some hygiene, like on a Saturday and I'll really just try to solidify anything or like to create a boundary so that only what I've invited in, if I feel like I'm aware of it and and I remember that I'm okay with that, it's, I feel like it's the things that I accidentally invite in that I'm a little bit more wary of. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I also, I don't, I kind of want to retract what I said about us being higher in the hierarchy. I think that that can be 
when you're looking at like I've been doing a lot of thinking about this with regards to the PGM or the Greek magical papyrus and listening to um, Jack Grail's mm -hmm. interview on Glitch Bottle and like he's talking yeah. about like it, this doesn't come naturally to me and that's why I think it caught my interest like he's talking about using these forms of magic these forms of invocation in a, in a compulsory mode and it's very I think foreign to what we're used to in this society like we don't tell people to do things we ask kindly <laughs> and with respect uh typically and I think it would depend on what energies you're working with but like there are I think schools of magic where you really do you're compelling students students whoa <laughs> you're compelling spirits yeah. to do yeah thing. it has that sort of like you fall into line because I've said your epithets yeah and then you make this I mean I took Jack Carell's like okay. class last year so it really did have to like and 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 we did get to learn a lot of PGM spells and um I think he's really great at using his voice, right? Cause he's like an actor. He's got like a acting background. Mm -hmm. um, and so I love listening to, to what he does. And yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm still in this part. Where I'm like, I don't, that doesn't come natural to me, but I see how it is effective. I feel like I'm effective in so many other ways. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not one that's all like love and light. Like I'm not that at all. I just feel like um, it's so complicated, but I feel like I, I want to see what works. And when I have an intent, I can feel it. Like I can feel like, oh, this would be good for my life right now. Um, so there is sort of a intuitive knowing that that feels like this feels natural to like call on the spirit and see if this can happen in this way. Um, you know, I've always sort of really dabbled with recipes right these like formulas even when I was a kid to like make things happen and so I think that the energy that I bring to it and then connecting with the chain of higher beings is what allows it to come down and to work its way into the life but yeah you can command spirits I mean people do all that goetia stuff so it's like yeah you could do <laughs> but do you think that you can command them on their higher polarity or their lower polarity? I feel like it's up to the practitioner to decide how exactly they want to work with these entities and, and also voice it because there's a higher expression of Venus and there's a lower expression of Venus um, or just any, any entity at all. So I think it depends on the intention. And I'm curious when you are invoking these spirits, is that something that you think about or is that something that you express? Thea? I think that to get the most constructive manifestation of the planet and then the planet has its, you know, intelligence and spirits, you know, mm -hmm. trickles down into, into how it manifests here, that there's, it's almost like um, that the finding the election itself is where I'm trying to get the more constructive. So that is where I am just like combing through and trying to make sure that, that that moment that I've elected, that precise moment is what's going to ultimately, because to me, I don't think you can do the kind of magic that I'm interested in without good timing. I think you need yeah. to have the timing down. And so that's where I've sort of tried to insulate it and get the most constructive manifestation of whatever planet or mm -hmm. lunar mansion. I agree.
unless you want to do a, a malefic, you can do a malefic talisman or lunar mansion talisman if you put, you know, if you want the moon facing Mars and the moon facing Saturn, like you could do that but if you want to, but you know, the, that hasn't been my goal yet. <laughs> well, no, but to, to that point though, when you're banishing bed bugs mm-hmm. or mice from your house, you are doing malefic magic. And yes. that, that I remember reading the, um, the recipe, I remember reading the instructions for how, if you really do want to focus on the beriding side of the spell and just by happenstance I had all of those things ticked like just because I was flying the next day I needed to do this then it will also because the moon was going to keep moving as it does but I, it just happened to be that I literally had every malefic thing ticked including I think the placement of Pluto and Saturn I forget exactly if, I forget if I had it on the AMC or on the Ascendant at this moment but I remember looking at this going wow this is I, I would never do this for anything that I was wanting to bring yeah. into my life. that one yeah that one I I actually keep in my basement because it does have a vibe um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it is and I've actually experimented and tried to not have it be so gnarly but I think it would probably be more effective if I had it a little bit the one that I made a little bit more malefic energy into it. Mm. It's fine. But um, I think that that's what malefic energies aren't evil. They're just no. destructive. They're just destructive. <laughs> yeah. 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 So did it work, Eliza? <laughs> Is your well, whole I building get, rid of- You I, didn't it, get they, the problem. The problem went away. I don't, you know, who can say why, but I, I felt safer having it up there. And what was weird is that, and it does seem to have a life of its own because I literally, I taped it because the problem was on the second floor and I'm on the floor below. I taped it. So it was like at the air vent of like between the floors. I had to get up on a ladder. It's like still up there. But then I got back and, you know, it was a few weeks later and then it was peeling off the wall. And I looked at the where the moon was. And of course, the moon was back in that mansion. And it was like, it was oh, like you just take flight or something. You, yeah, exactly. You, it needed to recharge. And it was telling me. <laughs> so I did the working again and put it back up there. <laughs> but, you know, I've done other workings. I've done one other working with the Lunar Mansions. And I think that one, I think I just with what's going on in my life, it hasn't necessarily had a chance to manifest itself. But I also think just further to your earlier point around that, like that urgency, when I was fucking scared, bed bugs are like my, that's my nightmare. I took all of that like angst and fear and urgency and like frustration and poured it into that talisman. And yeah, but the urgency was big. That was a big piece. Whereas when it's like, oh, it would be nice to have more of this. For me, anyway, I'm not always able to access that same force of will. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm curious, like, the, do you ever use these interpretively? Like, by which I mean, do you ever look at where your moon, what mansion your moon is in? And do you recognize any of it? Because some of it's so, so vastly different, but other, but some of it rings true in this strange way. I think I'm. What I've done is I've started noting where like the mansion is in my, like, like I'll journal every day. So I'll note, I, not like from a natal perspective, like a natal chart perspective, but I like looking at where the moon is in real time and then noting what goes on that day. So I've, I've started that from like a year ago. And of course then like dreams 
things that just feel more automatic. I'll try to like link up in that way. Um, and like, I know that like Elodie and I forget his last name, but they've done a lot of work with the lunar zodiac and dreaming and, and art, especially, um, and, and making art and, um, noting dreams based on where the moon is, um, in the lunar zodiac. And I, I think, so like what I noticed when I started working on it is that it sounds weird and made up, but like, I'll feel, I'll feel like when the moon changes mansions, <laughs> I'll like, I'll, I'll feel, I'll be, I'll just be like, I think the moon's in this mansion. Like I'll have some idea that it, the moon's going between Aries and Taurus. And then I'll realize like, oh yeah, like it's going into, what is that? Like the third. Um, and so there's a way that it's the rhythm of it. I've sort of gotten into after doing this for like, a, you know, probably really devotedly for like a little over a year. That's also one that also doesn't feel like it's so loud because it's, it's lunar. <laughs> like it doesn't feel like it's like watching a planet go through the solar zodiac, for instance. So I'm, I know that you're doing, and you've just also dropped, like name dropped so many different classes that you've been taking. It just seems like you've been really devotedly expanding your, like your personal canon and your personal like inner library and I'm and I know you're taking many other classes as well and I'm curious I guess I well I, I'm curious like what other forms of magic are, hmm. are lighting you up right now or or even other forms of astrology or just other other pieces like what are you excited about and what are you learning right now I'm really working with an ancestor practice and that to me has felt or quite literally manifested very directly when, when I call to the ancestors and, you know, I have two brothers. They're also very magical in their own way. And so a lot of times I will do like an ancestor call, right? Like we'll do a working timed like I'll pick the times we're all across different time zones. We'll do it, you know, at our different elections. And it's crazy the way that the ancestors speak so loudly through each of us in different ways. Um, so like my baby brother's an artist. Um, the one that's in the middle is like healer, yoga, yoga and Reiki practitioner and just are learning Reiki. It's just amazing. Um, and then there's little me being like, do it at this time. <laughs> and so I think that the, the, you know, I took a course called like ancestral sorcery, which was interesting. Cause again, the sorcery component of it really indicated that like, it wasn't just like from a healing perspective that, that we were almost asking ancestors to do very specific things in our lives. So that was actually really informative and pretty intense. You know, I also, I think that the I don't really know a lot, of course, who my ancestors were. It gets really cut off, not that far back. Like I can't really go back that much further than my great grandparents. But um, you know, I do know that the my great grandfather on my paternal side was a conjure doctor. And I I see the way that he speaks through me. <laughs> and, you know, he was an unofficial doctor and there's probably good things that happen and bad things that happen. And I, without getting too much into it, 
I think that I, I would like to heal a lot what has happened in my family, um, being a black American as being a woman. And I, I think that working with the ancestors is not something that requires me to go back in time. Cause I, I actually feel that they're just like here right now, that they're like in blood and bone, but they're also here in, in spirit and they're like, do, they're doing work. <laughs> so that has been helpful. I mean, you know, according to my astrology chart, I have an ancestral curse. <laughs> anyway, in my chart, which I, I learned in Austin Catholic's class, but that's okay. So, <laughs> what is, yeah, can you explain that? <laughs> can you unpack and, that? And what I, is the signature? What is the signature? Probably have it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, it has to do with the South Node and having a malefic there. So, I've got Saturn and South Node together. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, there's a lot that means I need to focus a lot on, on healing that. I mean, I, th- I, I think, you know, I think a curse or a blessing are sort of the same. Um, and I see the way that like a lot of people on my paternal side have naturally gone into working in hospitals, being physical therapists, um, being, you know, my brother's in yoga, like that there's this always this call to help people or heal people and seeing how far and seeing how to do that in a way that I think to me, I, that's why I always want to do something that has a, a net positive effect. Cause I feel like part of the mandate <laughs> is to do something that sort of, you know, reverses the curse as it were, or, or is, is in service of something that is healing. So that's, that's all, that would be on the paternal side. Yeah, for sure. And I've had, you know, I've had, I've had ancestors visit me in dreams and they've always said the same thing. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, I think for me too, what has been like the most fun thing about my journey with astrology and magic is also picking up, um, that would be like my personal practice, but I'm also really interested in like, like I said, what's happened in the past. And like, where did magic exist that wasn't retained, right? Because we were dealing with this framework of that things need to be proved and, um, you know, superstition is bad and um, it's not valid, you know? And so quite literally, like one point of view gets written down and the rest gets written away. Or I think that's also been really important to reclaim and wanting to know, like knowing that I had this great grandfather in central Texas, um, who, whether he was good or bad, used his own agency to affect change. Right. (laughs) And so to bring about some sort of change in the world and how that, that would have been really life affirming in a world where you you were, your fate was like in the hands of so many other factors and that as a black person that if you had certain psalms if you had certain salt baths if you had certain charms in your pocket and that that could steer your fate or steer steer you towards something that was better for you that you wanted i'm also really interested in that so that's sort of where my research has been i think that's so powerful i'm glad you shared that do you want i know that you're doing a talk coming up it's, it's with Athan, right I'm not misremembering yeah, yes. do you want to share a little bit about what you'll be talking about and maybe you can tell our audience how they can tune in and listen yeah so I would say go to Afan's site and register for the talk it's free it's on December 10th 
um, or December 9th. I'm sorry. It's on December 9th. The date will be there. Um, and it's, it's going to be that, right? So it's going to be like um, how divination is part of our legacy as Black Americans and where that exists and where it can be found. And I hope to do like sort of specific charts um, and uh, different event charts. Uh, I love looking at stuff that's already happened. Um, and just being able to see how the astrology was at that moment and, and what we can learn from that. Um, so it'll be sort of those two aspects. That's amazing <laughs> and exciting. Have you done this talk before or is this a new, is this a new talk for you? This is new, but it definitely okay. is connected. There's a through line. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's connected to uh, my research with Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that or just where people can find that? Um, I, I read that article. It was amazing. So <laughs> I, I definitely thought we should highlight it on the podcast. Yeah, I think you can still get through it. It was on a Mountain Astrologer article that came out uh, this June. Um, it's also on astro.com. Astro, yeah. yeah, they just put it on astro.com. So it's publicly available. Um, so you should be able to, if you search those th- two things together to be able to find it, but that was, that was, um, that was a me in, in dialogue with Harriet Tubman or who I call Mama Moses. Yeah. Was there any direct connection with the transits of the time, um, to the transits of your experience with Har- Harriet Tubman and your writing about it? Like, was there overlap? Cause I know it was 1863, right? You were talking about all the charts during that time, that specific year um, or that oh, span so of years, the, or is, is there any correlation the, with the your parallels? Yeah. The parallels that happened were that the nodes were reversed. Mm. So the North nodes and uh, no, I wish I had the article in front of me. Cause like the way my brain works is like, if I don't need it, it leaves. But basically it was on the same, the nodes were on the same axis that they're, you know, they're about to leave now, but it was Gemini and Sag. And mm. so that, that event happened during a Sag eclipse. Um, and yeah. it really, I felt this sort of axis or um, as really speaking to me between also someone who lives on a mutable axis, <laughs> but like feeling like, okay, how do we use the sort of mercurial espionage and intel gathering and that sort of um, like recon mis- mission that, that, that facilitated the Combahee River raid? And how did that lead to like the release, the freedom? Um, and it was just, it was just so loud then. And it was interesting now to see the nodes, you know, in 2021, 2020 with the South node and Sag being like, like, these are all like, let's tell a better story. Mm. Like these myths that we have, they need to be revisited. And maybe we need to put aside things that are no longer true. Um, so I just really feel like everything warranted a retelling. <laughs> uh, and when in 2020, 2021, um, and I hope we continue to do that. Well, you know, it's, I have to check the dates. What, what date did you say you're working with? 1860. 
I think it's 1863, if I remember, but check. <laughs> it might have left by then, but I know that Neptune was in Pisces in 1856. So it would be interesting if Neptune was still in Pisces then, because that's not something that comes around every day either. Mm-mm. Talking about mutable axes. No, Neptune was actually in Aries by that point. Okay. Early okay. Aries. But um, so when the raid happened, it was... Um, the North node was in Sag and the South node was in Gemini. Mm. But we had like a nodal reversal, but it was June 2nd, 1863. Mm. So fascinating how time just kind of reverberates and these cycles just like snake on. Into it's the all future. a snake, right? It's like a spiral. Like it was, it, it's, that's what I love about looking at something that's mm. past is that you can sort of recover it in the present and you're just like circling around to it and you can see mm-hmm. the parallels. So we'll put links to both your talk and also that article on Harriet Tubman in the show notes. So folks can look there. Um, as we, as we wind down this conversation, Thea, is there anything that you wish that we'd talked about or anything, any last words or any, Anything where you're like, damn it, I should have said this. <laughs> and it's no, okay but I'll no. well like an hour later. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, that's the way I work. But um, no, I, it's just been such a joy to talk to y'all both. And I really appreciate this. Um, I hope. Yeah, I'm all about continuing these conversations. And yeah, I love it. Thank Maybe. Yeah, thank you so much. But maybe you could give the audience a few books or a few tips on where to start if they want to start working with the lunar mansions? I mean, I feel like the, I, I would recommend taking a course because you can get the Picatrix, but there are a lot of pitfalls on purpose and um, it's a wild, wild book. So once you, um, so like, you know, the books of course would be like, the Picatrix and then the, um, the three books, Agrippa's three books of occult philosophy. It's also really great, but those are dense works. If you feel like a teacher is teaching a course on like specifically magical elections on how to elect the moment to work with these energies, I feel like that's the most, like the wisest way to enter. So you feel like you have a toolkit, Mm -hmm. um, and sort of an instruction manual as you're going through these books. So we'll go yeah, ahead and, and give a shout out to Nina Griffin on that one. <laughs> She's a great one. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. 100%. And Christopher Warnock's book on the mansions of the moon, it is designed, it's an accompaniment to his course. There is a lot of, um, a lot of the information that you need to get started is also in this book. So we can always link to that too in the show notes. But I, I also recommend having a, a guide um, I.e. a teacher. <laughs> yes. Get yourself um, a mentor. <laughs> yes. So that you can even like show your elections to and be like, yes, does this look good? I think that feedback even before you try it is really important so mm-hmm. that your pipes don't burst in your house. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, Thea. It was so lovely to have you. Thank you um, for having me. Where can people find you? On, on the interwebs? Oh, yes, the interwebs. Um, 
Thea Astrology is my Instagram. And then my website is theanichelle.com. And then there's like a link to tarot and astrology within that. Um, yeah. All right. Love it. And you can find Eliza and I and Kestrel, who could not make it today, <laughs> on cosmictonic.com. And our Instagram handle is at cosmictonic. And our Twitter is cosmic underscore tonic. And we'd like to thank everyone for being here. And we'll see you next time. Bye.